This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Well, have you ever thought about mediums and thought uh, that's legit, that seems like something someone can do, or it's a complete scam? Well, my next guest has spent a lot of time looking into this. Steve Taylor is a senior lecturer in psychology at Leeds Beckett University and joins me on the line now. Good morning to you. Great to be with you. This is a rather interesting interesting subject. subject. And before we get into into some of the questions questions and how to to really know what we're talking talking about, about, what exactly exactly is a medium? A medium is a person who claims to be able to contact uh, the spirits of deceased individuals and to relay information uh, from them. And is this something that it's kind of always been around or do we know how this all kind of started or was there a first medium? Well, it it began to, it became popular. Mediumship became well known towards the latter part of the 19th century. And investigators began to examine people who claimed to be mediums. But I guess you know, people always claim to, you know, in, in, in previous centuries, even previous millennia, people would always claim to be able to communicate with deceased ancestors. So I guess in that sense, it's always been around. So uh, there would be a lot of skeptics and uh, people thinking, well, th- th- this doesn't really seem all that legit. How do you know that somebody is actually a medium and, and, and that is what is happening? Well, I used to be very skeptical myself, and I, and I think that a lot of uh, people who claim to be mediums are fraudulent, you know. So I think, you know, if you go down the high street in any city, uh, in, in England, it's quite popular to have mediums in, in public houses who hold sessions in, in public houses, and they claim to be able to give people information. And I think some, some mediums are definitely fraudulent, but that doesn't mean that all of them are. I think there are a certain percentage of mediums who are genuine, and they've been investigated under very strict scientific conditions, and they've been found to, you know, to be to be genuine. A, a couple of examples uh, I was looking into, uh, and I know that, that you have studied and looked at. So one involves a chess game, which I found rather uh, very interesting. A Robert Rollins, who organized a chess match between a deceased grandmaster and a living grandmaster. And, and did that kind of help? Was that an example of showing there was nothing really else to explain it? He had to be legit? Yeah, it, it was for me. This is one of the cases which I think is incredibly convincing. And, you know, anybody who looks into this case, case in detail will find it very difficult to explain away in, in terms of any other factors. So yeah, certainly for me, it was a very uh, interesting and significant case. So what about this case do you think then shows that this is a legit, this is not a fraud? Well, the medium uh, claimed to make contact with a deceased grandmaster. And there was, a, there was a Russian grandmaster who was living at that time called Viktor Korchnoi, who was interested in parapsychology. So he agreed to, to, to play this, uh, chess, this deceased grandmaster through the medium. And the game lasted for 48, um, 48 moves. And the moves of the, guy, the, the deceased grandmaster was called Marocox, Maroxi. And his moves were analyzed by chess, other chess grandmasters or by chess experts. And they all found that his game was at a par with a grandmaster level. And they all found that the moves of the deceased Maroxi were very similar to the actual Maroxi. At the time, he was the third best player in the world. And bearing in mind that the medium himself didn't play chess. And even if he did, you know, you wouldn't expect him to play at the level of a grandmaster. 
Um, so the game was examined by Bobby Fischer, who was one of the most famous chess players of the 90, of that time. And he, he agreed that the moves were, 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 were at a grandmaster level. And also they, they, they were slightly antiqu antiquated, slightly old-fashioned, because Maroxi was a, a grandmaster in the 19th century. So, yeah, it's, it's very significant. And it's very difficult to explain this case in any other way than, you know, than that the medium did really have contact with this deceased grandmaster. Hmm. Would that then lead you to believe that if, if that really is the case, that, that he was the medium for this chess grandmaster, you could perform a surgery. You could do things that in your life you can't do at all. But if you're a medium, you can then do them? In theory, yeah, I mean, chess is a very precise, uh, precise game, so the, the information needs to be very specific. So in theory, that would be possible. I mean, no, nothing like that has ever been, you know, has ever been claimed. But in theory, you know, you, you could, a medium could, uh, you know, relay very specific information in order to perform very specific tasks. So with these examples where there's there's no other explanation and the chess game is a great one where there's no other explanation perhaps as to how this would happen does it lead you then to to know why some people are are, are mediums and and some aren't or what's actually happening there well, you know, it is very difficult to explain away and a skeptic would find it very difficult to believe that some people are able to to contact or communicate with deceased people. But I think that that is the only explanation. I mean, I used to be skeptical about the idea of life after death, but evidence like this convinces me that there may be some form of life after death. And as I say, there have also been very specific, very scientific experiments performed with high level mediums, which have had very positive results. So for me, I am, I am completely open-minded, you know, um, and I, I, I do believe in the idea that it is possible to make contact with deceased individuals. So in effect, I believe in life after death based hmm. on this evidence. When you say some kind of life after death, though, are you talking about, uh, the, and to use the chess example, the, the grand master of chess is, is hovering above and, and controlling this person, or it's an energy or something else that's, that's kind of inexplicable? It's very, difficult to, it's very difficult to comprehend, but, but, but there does seem to be a very real possibility that we, we retain our individuality, at least for a certain amount of time after we die in the physical sense. So yeah, in a sense, this Grandmaster does still exist in some realm or some domain that we can't understand or that we can't have access to in our normal state. Hmm. And, and so do, do you find then, even like you said, you yourself, you were a skeptic at one point, when, when you have more and more evidence and cases like this, is it kind of winning over the skeptics or at least opening people's minds to the possibility? I think so, yeah. I think more academics are becoming open to the possibility of some form of life after death. Not just based on mediumship, but also evidence, there's a lot of evidence from reincarnation. There are many cases of young children who report very specific details of, of claimed previous lives. And investigators have examined them in great detail and found that you know, the information is too specific to be, to be fraudulent or to be guesswork. So the, yeah, and there's also lots of instances of after-death communications, which is when People claim to have made contact with people who, who they've lost, deceased loved ones. So the, there's actually a lot of different kinds of evidence from different sources. Hmm. And are you continuing to look at this or study this? Or, or what would you like to look into more? Or kind of what questions does this raise for you? Well, I mean, I, I collect examples of what are called after-death communications. And it's actually 70% of people who lose, uh, who lose their loved ones or people close to them claim to have made contact with them in some form, whether it's through hearing their voices, through s smelling very specific things, or, or whether it's a, a kind of a vision of them, perhaps in a dream. 
And, and, in, and in some cases, the, the deceased individuals, they relay specific information, they give people warnings, uh, you know, all of which is later found out to be true. So yeah, so my particular avenue of research is these after-death communications. It is very, very interesting. Uh, Dr. Taylor, we'll leave it there for today, though. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome.